Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 3. Here's Pastor Ryan. Blessed to be with you guys. Um, Pastor Jerry Brown, for those of you who don't know, he pastors Calvary Chapel in the city of Romoland. You know where Romoland is? It's near Homeland. <laughs> it's near Hemet. It's near Paris. It's kind of these little towns right there. And so Calvary Chapel, Romoland. He is my pastor. I met him in... 2001, right before 9-11, I was in Israel with Pastor Chuck. I must boast in the Lord. (laughs) And I met Jerry Brown on that tour, and he has been a mentor of mine ever since. He's the one that ordained me. I was an assistant pastor under him for four years in Romoland. And uh, yeah, he sent us out and gave us the blessing to start a church out here. And so... Uh, He's on our board, the vice president of our board. And so he'll be teaching him and his wife at the couple's uh, dinner. But we're also going to have him out on a Sunday so that you can meet him. He's a great guy. He is the pastor of U-Turn for Christ as well. It's a drug and alcohol rehabilitation um, ranch through the gospel. And so uh, he's a great guy. And then that men's conference in Corona, March 2nd. Brothers, Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a, it's a, the, the guys out there, Mike Rodriguez is doing a, has done a great work in Corona. And so I have the privilege of, of, of sharing that, uh, teaching there. So mark your calendars, brothers, so that we can roll deep and represent the Lord and represent our church. Amen? Amen. All right. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning, please, to Second. Corinthians chapter 3. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And give me an amen once you are there. And so, Father, we come before you again this morning with thanksgiving and praise. Lord, you made the heavens and the earth, these beautiful mountains that surround us, that rushing wind that we have been experiencing. Lord, you made it the stars, the sun, the moon, this beautiful pass area that we get to enjoy. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for this church that you've given us, Lord, to worship you, to to praise you, and to learn of you, and for us to be able to fellowship in a safe place for our children to learn of you. Father, we pray for every heart on this church campus this morning that all of us would be sensitive to your spirit, That it wouldn't be just us coming to a building, saying hi to a few folks and leaving and not being changed. But Lord, we're open to whatever changes you want to make in our hearts this morning. Move in our hearts, Father. Holy Spirit, God, lead us into your truths. May it be all of you, none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. Amen. All right, so beginning in verse 7, but first... uh, 
Uh, just a bit of, of background, as you know, it is a given for any uh, Christian, it is a given that we should uh, uh, expect persecution or some backlash for our faith in Jesus Christ. It is a given. It, it, it comes to all of us who truly love Jesus Christ and are called by his name. If we stand for his word, we're going to face some backlash. There's going to always be haters. It's a dangerous thing when you don't have anybody making a fuss over you. And maybe it's because we're not taking a strong enough stance as we should for the holiness of God and for the truth that judgment is coming upon this Christ-rejecting world, but salvation can be found by faith in the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. Those words are are beautiful to us, but for those who would reject him, they're not beautiful. And so that's when persecution comes. And so the Apostle Paul, as you know, is uh, having to defend himself in this letter because there were haters who had crept into the church at Corinth who were trying to discredit him. Paul would tell Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All of us who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But oh, we know what our Lord said. He said, you know, rejoice in that day for great is your reward in heaven. In fact, he says to leap up and just have a blast, have a party when you are hated, when you are spoken ill of because of your faith in Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul has to defend himself because if he doesn't defend himself, then these false teachers will lay, will tear that church apart in Corinth. And that is uh, the church that Christ died for. It is the church that the Apostle Paul planted by the grace of the Lord. And, uh, and so he's defending himself reluctantly, of course. Uh, it's never cool to speak about ourselves, although we we do, and when we do, hopefully we're saying to the glory of God, right? He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. But um, they were saying that the Apostle Paul was not a real apostle because he didn't have letters of commendation. He didn't have any uh, letter from uh, someone that states that he is legitimate. And so the Apostle Paul responds to the church there, he says, you are our epistle written in our hearts. In other words, you are my letter of commendation. The very fact that they exist, the very fact and miracle that God made a church out of nothing. There was no church in Corinth and the Lord sent Paul the apostle there. And now this thriving church that's, that, that is filled with the fruits of the Spirit is thriving, and Paul is saying, you are my letter of commendation. Their very lives are the proof that Jesus Christ has indeed called them. He said, you are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. They are legitimate Christians. They are a legitimate church, not because of some resume or letter of commendation or 
recommendation, but because of the heart. Anyone can tell that the church at Corinth, their heart belonged to Jesus, and especially how they responded to the first letter of correction. Oh, it's a joyous time for Paul as he's penning the second letter. They're with Jesus, no doubt he thought. They're with Jesus, they're with me, Paul would no doubt think. And so it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and again, there are many facts and many proofs that validate your faith in Jesus Christ. And that is, as Jesus said, he who loves me keeps my commandments. The fact that you are here is a fruit that you are following the Lord. Amen? And so Paul continues to, to speak to them and say to them that his sufficiency is of the Lord. Not He says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This reference to the letter killing, no doubt, is, is of the law. He speaks of the law, and we'll get into that. And so it gives you insight to perhaps these false prof, false teachers we're probably Judaizers kind of coming in saying, no, it's not faith in Christ alone, but the law, the keeping of the law as well. And so here he says, look, our sufficiency is of the Lord. There's not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. The Apostle Paul, so humble here, so, so beautiful in saying, man, look, what has been done, it's because God is sufficient. The miracle of the church being birthed in Corinth. The miracle that is the church at Corinth. Paul is saying that we, we, don't, we don't see that as something that we have done. Our sufficiency is God. It is God who has given us the words. It is God who has given us the strength. It is God that planted that church. It is God uh, that has uh, made you guys a legitimate epistle uh, written on uh, a heart of flesh or or flesh not on tablets and so not of the law but of the spirit of the living god this is a, a, a work of god's spirit it is a work of the love of god it is his sufficiency it's it's all him and none of me and that's what he's saying here because no doubt the false teachers were were those who had trusted in themselves and in their own sufficiencies Right? They were self-sufficient rather than God-dependent. And we see this going on in the modern church today. How many churches depend on gimmicks and seeker-friendly uh, 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 programs in order to draw people into their churches. There are many churches that are crowded with people today there's not an inch to spare of room in these churches but the truth is not spoken there but rather it's just happy thoughts and and uh, uh fluffy messages uh, uh these are teachers that they've heaped up for themselves because they have itchy ears they just just give us a teacher that'll tell us what we want to hear not what we need to hear so you see that going around I get a kick out of Instagram sometimes when these churches uh, promote their churches, some of these pastors. And, and it's just like, man, one activity after another activity. All right, come come visit us. We're going to have popcorn. We're going to have cotton candy. We're going to have games. 
We're going to have bouncy houses. We're going to have left and right. It's like a carnival. It's like a circus. And, and then, of course, we're going to get in the Word. You know, how, how better would it be to say, come join us where you're going to hear the full counsel of the Lord, where we're not going to, you know, give you a woke message and a fl- we're going to give you the truth. Now, that's advertisement that's biblical. But to say, we're just going to, you know, come come to our carnival and then we'll give you a little message. And, you know, what is that? In, 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 in light of where the world is today and how Jesus can come for the church at any moment and how serious sin is in God's eyes and how the world is perishing, but yet he so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. And these church building programs, it's, it's, their sufficiency is in man, man's intuition, man's uh, knowledge, man's wisdom, which the Bible says it's foolishness to God. The Apostle Paul said, you know, our sufficiency is in God. Don't look at us as if we're somebody. It is Christ who is amazing and who, who has chosen the foolish things, the weak things of the world to confound the wise. He is beautiful and brilliant in, in empowering weak vessels so that he gets all of the glory. And so the question is, are you self-sufficient or are you dependent on God? Too many Christians today are doing their own thing, but yet they say God is their sufficiency. They do their own thing, but they say God is their sufficiency. I hear it, I do, for various compromises. They say, now, and I hear it because I'm the pastor, I probably hear it more than, than other folks do because in my position, you might, I might run into some folks that haven't gone to church and they're not going anywhere and they no longer are coming regularly to church and, 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 and they'll say, you know, Oh, pastor, I'm good with him. I'm so good with God. You know, uh, I, I worship at home. I, I watch it on TV. I, I, I'm good with God. You know, and, and, and that, that's the biggest one that I hear. You know, I don't care if they don't come here. I hope they go, go somewhere. But I got to ask. But these are the kind of things that I hear. It's like this, I'm good with God, but you're not doing what God says. You, you've compromised. You're leaning on your own understanding. We see this. I've seen guys who have tried to even ordain themselves and, 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 and call, you know, send themselves out, if you will, rather than God's process of church authority coming and laying hands and raising, uh, guys up properly. I've run into guys who say, God is my all sufficiency and and they bypass God's authority through the church and they ordain themselves, they send themselves out, and they always say, well, it's the Holy Spirit that has sent me. It's the Holy Spirit that has laid hands on me. And it's like, well, you're leaning on your own understanding, can't you see? I just named my pastor to all of you who laid hands on me. I didn't lay hands on myself. God called me and the church conf- affirmed God's calling on my life. But there is a 
a way of doing things. But so many people say that they are God. God is their sufficiency. But in reality, they're doing their own thing. Everyone else has to serve, but not me because, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And God, of course, understands. It's, you're leaning on your own understanding. You know, everyone else should read their Bible. Yeah, we should read our Bibles every day, but I read it from time to time. But me and God are good. We have a understanding between us, you see. You have an understanding between you. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah, we should pray, but I pray from time to time every other day or every other week. Yeah, really. We, I have this sufficiency that's from God. We have an understanding together. Do you really? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Pray without ceasing. He who serves me, my Father, will honor. I mean, I can go on and on. What is it but people who have made themselves the sufficiency of their lives and wrapped it in religiosity? Jesus and I, you see, we have a deal. No, there is no deal. It's the same for all of us across the board. That's the beauty of God's word. We're either going to do what he says or we're leaning on our own sufficiency. So to be God sufficient in a simple way is just to, just means to be obedient to what he says. Anything else is self-dependency. And in reality, the father of self-dependency is who? Mm-hmm. Satan. That's what pride means. It means independence from God. Just, and we wrap it with Christianity, fluffy talk. But as a pastor, it's my job to fruit inspect. It's my job to sheep inspect. That's my calling. I mean, in Ephesians, it tells us, right? He, he has called pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. So when they tell me these things, yeah, but you know, I, I like to tell people, just own what you are. If you don't want to do what he says, just say, I'm one of those who doesn't want to do what he says. Yeah. I love that. I love people that are honest with themselves rather than those that say, no, I'm good. You good, pastor? I'm good. You good? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> This one brother said that he was going to get a certificate of ordination off the internet they were going to give to him. It's like, yeah, I just love Jesus too much to try to do my own thing. God help us, right? And, um, and so, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit, it gives life. Verse seven. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. 
For even what was was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. That's a that's a, you know little section that I had to read a whole bunch of times because it's a kind of like twisty turny, right? And so let me try to make some sense, simplify things for us, if I may. The letter kills, and it's speaking here. The letter kills, the ministry of death, tablets of stone, no doubt is talking about the tablets of stone that had the Ten Commandments. It's the commandments of the Lord in the Old Testament as Moses was given the Ten Commandments written by the Lord on those tablets. It is referred to as the letter that kills. It is referred to as the ministry of condemnation. That is the first covenant that we see, or that is the covenant of the Old Testament that says, blessed are you if you keep these laws, but cursed are you if you do not. The new covenant, which the Apostle Paul is saying it's much more glorious. He says that it was glorious when God gave the commandments to Moses. It was glorious. It's a, it was a glorious thing. So much so they made a movie out of it that Charlton Heston played in. <laughs> and he came out looking all zapped like by lightning because he was glowing with those things. And, but anyhow. It was glorious, but the the new covenant is is more glorious. And that's what he's trying to say here. We know that our Lord and Savior, as he instituted uh, the taking of communion, the night uh, when he was betrayed and he, he would go to the cross, Jesus said in Matthew 26, 28 to the disciples, for this blood, uh, this is my blood of the new covenant as he held the cup, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The new covenant, which is more glorious than the old covenant, is a covenant that is by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for the sins of mankind. It is the covenant of mercy as we sang upon this this morning. It is the covenant of love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, redemption, uh, the remission or the taking away of sins by faith in what Jesus has done on the cross. That is the new covenant. We are saved from all of our sins and given eternal life and given the Holy Spirit in our hearts by which we cry out, Abba, Father. That proves that we are children. The Holy Spirit is given to every believer as a guarantee that we have eternal life and that we are children of God. The new covenant is by faith. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, John the Beloved says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And that is what the new covenant does. It takes away the power of sin from a person's life. We who could, who could do nothing but sin before, now Christ has given us the power over sin and over death. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. He is our propitiation. He is the satisfying 
sacrifice for the judgment that was on its was upon all of us because none of us have kept the law. All of us have broken it. But he is the satisfying sacrifice that takes the punishment upon himself so that we are freed and made clean and made whole as if we have never sinned in our lives. His blood is so precious. And it is, the new covenant is by faith. It is by grace. It's an unmerited favor. We didn't have to haul lambs or bulls. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.